we're going to be devoting a lot of time and thought to forgiveness. Um, Forgiveness is something that you've probably heard about from the time you were little kids. You hear about it all the time. You may have heard stories of forgiveness. You may have heard sermons upon sermons about forgiveness. But I want to kind of define forgiveness in the way that I want to talk about it for the next few weeks so that we can kind of be on the same page. After I spend some time defining it, I want to talk a little bit about who it is that we should forgive, and then I want to get into this text and break it down a little bit together to make it um, more understandable, at least the way that I read it and understand it. So the first thing I want to say about this is my goal for you is that in the next five weeks, you will take steps toward forgiving someone. You may complete the entire process in the next five weeks, or you may not. But the goal is that in the next few weeks, you start working toward forgiving someone that you have been holding back forgiveness from for a while. And you may not even know who that person is yet, but probably by the end of this morning, you will. So one of the ways I define things is by saying what it isn't. So I'm going to just tell you that forgiveness is not condoning what someone did. When um, the kids in my house get in arguments and fights with one another, we make them apologize And we don't ever want them to say, it's okay. But more than that, there are times that I, as a husband or father, will do things that are wrong. I just just screw up, and I'll go, and I'll, if I recognize it, I'll admit that I'm wrong, and I'll apologize. And I never want them to say, it's okay. It's important that I know that it's not okay. So forgiving someone is not condoning the behavior that they have done. It's not condoning the thing that has been done against us. It's also not eliminating the consequences. There are things that happen in our lives that we can forgive the person for doing it and still call the cops. Forgiving people is not eliminating the consequences. Sometimes that's actually counterproductive to helping that person. People need to feel the consequences for what they do. Now, we can offer grace, and sometimes grace is saying, like, you know, it's not that big of a deal. Don't worry about it. But sometimes a law has been broken. Someone has been seriously injured or endangered, and consequences need to be felt for that. So forgiveness is not eliminating the consequences, and it is not condoning the behavior, and it's not forgetting what happened. I know for sure you have heard the phrase, forgive and forget. And I want to tell you right now, you do not have to forget. There are relationships and there are people that are absolutely toxic. I will never counsel someone to stay in an abusive relationship. If you are in an abusive relationship, that person is toxic. You can forgive them, but do not forget who they are. Because most of the time, toxic people will repeat the thing over and over and over again. Did you know that the majority of child molesters are repeat offenders? We can't forget things that happen. So you thought I might be talking about like when somebody tells you a lie, you need to forgive them. Yes, you do. But we're going to talk about big, heavy, heady kinds of things also. Forgiving does not necessarily mean forgetting. And forgiving isn't necessarily reconciling with the person. 
You know, um, there are times that people will say, well, you, why don't you just get over that and, and fix that relationship? That's a two-way street. You may want to reconcile with the person, but sometimes they can't recognize what they have done in the situation, and it's almost impossible to reconcile with someone who will not admit that they're wrong, which gets me into talking about who it is that we need to reconcile or who we need to forgive. So if you have a hard time saying someone's name, you just might need to start working on forgiving them. You know what I mean? Like, if, if they have a name but you just can't say it, you just say, oh, my ex-boss, instead of saying their name, or my ex-husband, instead of saying their name, or my ex-wife, my ex-boyfriend, that teacher I used to have, the guy who used to live next door to me, the lady who lived across the street from me. If they have a name and you can't say it, that's a sign that you might need to start working towards forgiving them. If their name comes up and everybody looks at you waiting to see what's about to happen, that's a sign that you may need to start forgiving that person. And by the chuckles, you know what I'm talking about, right? You're with a group of friends and, and, and somebody brings up that person's name. By the way, you know, uh, preachers get accused sometimes of reading, reading the, like the phrases, oh, he was reading my mail. I don't have all your passwords and stuff yet, so I haven't been reading your mail. So if you think I'm talking about you, not yet. Or maybe. Or maybe. <laughs> Not ever going to admit it. No, so you're with a group of friends. Somebody brings up a name, and then you feel the glances coming your way. If that's happening, your friends, God is working through your friends to tell you, hey, you might need to start working towards forgiving this person. If someone is always just kind of at the front of your heart, you know what I mean? Like, you just can't, you just can't, like, get them out of, out of your thing. They're kind of like a ghost. They're just there, and ugh, that person, just, you can't get them to go away. They're messing with your spirit, sort of. You need to start working to forgive that person. If you find out that something good happened to them or for them, and you feel upset about it, you can't celebrate for them or at least be happy for them. You need to start thinking about forgiving that person. And this is the hardest one. And this is real. I wouldn't be saying this if we weren't humans and didn't think this way. If you wish this person were dead. If you wish that they were not ever in your life and you couldn't get them out of your life so you wish they were just on the other side of the planet. If you wish they had never been born. It's time you start working towards forgiving that person. This text is difficult. It's difficult because it's Jesus saying, well, there's a rich guy. He's got slaves. They're his slaves because they owe him money, and he decides to figure out how much money he's owed so he can figure out how much money he has and how much these slaves that he has are actually worth, and he comes across one that owes him a bunch of money, and he's like, look, man, I need that paper, and so you need to pay up. And this, the king knows that the slave will never have that much money, and so he says, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to sell you and I'm going to sell your wife, 
and I'm going to sell all four of your kids, and all the stuff you have I'm selling, and whatever money I get, that's all I'm going to get, but I'm taking it because I need the money. And the slave isn't just saddened by this. The slave is literally humiliated. You know that feeling. It's different than being embarrassed, but it's sort of like being embarrassed. It's like full of shame, like full of shame and humiliated. And he falls to the ground and he says, please, 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 please be patient with me. I'll I'll do whatever I can. I'll do it. I'll do it. Like whatever you need, I'll do it because I just want to keep my family together. And the king and his mercy looks and sees him and says, you know, you're forgiven. The, the amount that you owe me is forgiven and you're set free. You are completely set free. Paul writes that it is for freedom that we are set free. We are this person. And it is for freedom that we're set free. And so he gets up and he walks outside and he gets with his wife and they hug and they celebrate and they talk about going to visit her family for the first time in years And they start walking down the street and he realizes, I don't even have enough money to get to my mother-in-law's house. How are we going to get there? And then he sees the guy that owes him some money, right? They, They gambled on some game or something and the guy owes him some money. And so he walks over and says, pay up, man. I need my money. I'm done. I'm free. And we're going to my mother-in-law's house to visit. And he goes, I don't have your money. And he grabs him by the throat and slams him against the wall and says, pay up. man's against the wall and is humiliated and falls to the ground and says, please, whatever, whatever I need to do, I'll do it, but I don't have the money right now. Just give me some time. Please be patient. He goes, no, no time. Get up. And because he can, he takes him to jail and throws him in there and says, keep him till he can pay me. And the thing is, he's not going to ever be able to pay him back because he's locked up and he's in jail. The other slaves see what happens, and they go and they tell the king, and the king is so frustrated, and he says, Look, I forgave you so much. I forgave you for so much. And you can't find it in your heart to forgive a little bit? Because of that, you're going to be locked up and tortured for the rest of your life until you pay up. And and then Jesus says the hard thing. And he says, so is it with all of you if you can't find it in your heart to forgive people. We oftentimes think of forgiveness as a transaction, right? And partly because of this text and partly because of sermons that we've heard preached where if you forgive, then you'll be forgiven. We have that idea, right? We pray that prayer, forgive me my trespasses as I forgive those who trespass against me. That's a hard thing to pray because if I don't forgive, if I'm thinking of it as a transaction, if I don't forgive, then I won't be forgiven. This text seems to be saying the same thing. And there's a a reason why it says that. You know, they say that not forgiving someone is like eating rat poison and hoping the rat dies. It doesn't add up when we don't forgive. Because we are people that have received grace and forgiveness. That's who we are. That's what we've always wanted, right? We've always just kind of been keeping score in our heads of what we've done right and what we've done wrong and are we good and are we bad and and we're we're playing this balance game and we're trying to, to sway everything to the good side but the truth of it is that doesn't even need to happen. 
Because everything we've wanted God offers to us right now and always has, it's free. The key to set ourselves free has been given to us by Jesus, and we just need to do it. We just need to say, okay, I'm done. I'm forgiven. I've got everything that I need. My soul is good. I'm in good place with God. That's the gospel. Do you remember the story of the prodigal son? I, 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 I like the name the wasteful father or the prodigal father or the story of the forgiving dad. The modern telling of it goes like this. There's this kid, he grew up in Clovis, New Mexico. And his dad owned a great big cotton farm and owned some other businesses in town and a car dealership and that sort of thing. And he grew up in Clovis and he graduates from high school and his dad says, hey, you can stay here like your brothers and you can work at the dealership and you can work at the farm. We've got a ranch. You can go out there and work also. And, and the kid goes, nah, dad, I, I need some money because I want to go down to Las Cruces and go to college. And so the dad cashes in some of his retirement and pays for the kid's tuition and pays for him to live in an apartment because the kid doesn't want to live on campus and he pays for a new pickup for the kid and the kid comes down here to Las Cruces. But the truth of it is, he doesn't really care about class or college, Greg. You probably know this kid. <laughs> he shows up part of the time. When he does, he hasn't read and he never writes his stuff. He's, he, what he's really concerned about are the girls and the parties. And he does all that really, really well. And so the first semester, he gets put on academic probation. And his dad's like, all right, I'm going to give you a chance. You have one more semester to get yourself on probation. And the second semester ends, and the university says, hey, okay, pump the brakes, regroup, try again, take, take a semester off and come back. So the kid is like, look, I don't even know. Like, I can't be asking my dad for a bunch of money. I think I'm going to find a job. So he gets a job at I think it was like, I don't know, one of the restaurants in town. And he, he misses work a lot, and he doesn't show up enough, but they're nice to him, and they're not firing him, but he doesn't have enough money to pay his rent and buy groceries, so he's at a restaurant. So instead of like when he's clearing tables and stuff, it, the best parts of the food, he just he scrapes them off to the side, and he's eating, he's eating the leftovers of other people. And he decides, man, this is gross. Why am I living like this? I could just go back to Clovis and I could wash cars at the dealership. It's not great work, but it's work. And my dad wouldn't even have to give me a job like he's giving my brothers. I would just do that. All I need to do is go and say to my dad, Dad, I'm sorry. I brought shame to your name. I brought shame to our family. Our neighbors know I'm a screw-up. And, and I'm just sorry. Can I just have a job working at the dealership? I just, I'll just wash cars. So he builds up his courage and he gets in his truck and he's got enough gas money to get to Clovis. And when he pulls into his dad's driveway, his dad is sitting out on the porch drinking coffee and sees him pull up and he runs out there and he hugs his son and he says, I'm so glad that you're home. We've missed you so much and we haven't been able to get in touch with you and we didn't know what was going on. We're so glad you're home. We're going to invite over all of our friends and neighbors and the friends from church, and we're going to have a big party tonight, a welcome home party for you. You know what never was said? What never was said was, Dad, please forgive me. It was never said, Dad, I'm sorry I screwed up. Before all of that, while we were yet sinners, before all of that, we were forgiven. 
Before all of that, this son was forgiven. That's the gospel. That's who we are. We are the people who have been forgiven before we even asked for forgiveness. And then once we receive forgiveness, we're like, oh man, I really screwed up. I'm sorry for that. That's who we are. But forgiveness is life-giving like a snorkel. Anybody ever snorkeled? You know, so you can breathe underwater, right? But we think of snorkeling as like, so you can get air. But the thing is, snorkeling is also so you can let go of your air. Because if all you do is breathe in and receive, and you just keep it and keep it, you will die. You will suffocate with your lungs full. This slave that was forgiven this giant debt locked himself up, filled his lungs up, and put duct tape over the end of the snorkel and died. It's not God saying, I will torture you forever if you don't forgive people. It's God saying, you're going to torture yourself. You're going to torture yourself. It's set up so it's a flowing thing. Like you receive and you give and you receive and you give and you receive and you give. You breathe in and you breathe out and you breathe in and you breathe out. That's how it works. Like that's the freedom. It's for freedom that we were set free. We forgive so that we can, we've been forgiven so that we can forgive. We all want to be let off the hook. So whatever that thing is that that person did, I don't know. And I'm sure it was absolutely terrible. It may have cost you a job and hurt your family and ended up messing up your credit. Like It could be something like that. It could be an abusive relationship that you literally have scars from and bumps on your head. It, it could be that somebody murdered a member of your family. It could. I don't know. I don't know all of your stories. I can only imagine. But if you breathe in... And you don't breathe out, you will die. Don't let them be the duct tape over the top of your snorkel. What if? What if Christians became known as the people who forgive each other? What if we became known as the people who forgive other people? We just are the forgivers. Like, what if that was it? They're not the people who have an opinion about all the politics, and they're not the people who have an opinion about all the issues. They're the people who forgive. Christians are the people who forgive. I wonder what would happen. Oh, we'd be taken advantage of. Well, we'd forgive that. Because we're the people who breathe. We're the people who have life that really is life. We're the people who were forgiven before we even asked. So how in the world could we not forgive? Because we understand life, and we understand breath, and we understand that God loves us. And it's more than that. God likes us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. May we breathe. May we breathe. Amen.